It's an opportunity attack. I am joined today with a good friend of mine, somebody that I went to uh, college with back in the good old days. This is Jimmy McGuire. Welcome, Jimmy. Hey, Dino. Glad to be here again. Uh, I've always enjoyed talking with you. You're a, you're a great geek in the <laughs> geek world, believe it. Well, so. thank you very much. Um, you and I have spent uh, a lot of time apart, but we recently kind of got back together in the recent past uh, due to a uh, an anniversary at a place that we used to call home, which was the radio station at our local community college. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about what makes us geeks, and uh, we are both gentlemen of a certain age. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I would say that we we lived together <laughs> through the, the wonderful, uh, wacky world of the 80s. And, yes. Uh, uh, actually, our apartments were across from each other, and we shared a lot of time back in the Yes. What was it? 88 Rocks, PCD Days. And, yes. Uh, got to be good friends back in the day, and uh, it's nice to have rekindled that. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. That's the reason I brought you on the on the show today, was to talk about what it was like to be a gamer back in the 80s, and then, you know, kind of over that time period, our gaming taste changed, or maybe we even got out of the whole gaming culture, and then we find ourselves neck deep back into it. So uh, I think you can be described as a grognard, much like myself, um, but while some might equate that with being a, an old-school gamer and only wanting to play old-school, uh, I think that's kind of inaccurate. Um, I think the word grognard brings a, a negative connotation, and I'm trying to change that along with our, my fellow grognards, uh, Eric Hawley and Greg Ziegler. So uh, just because we've been playing games for a long time doesn't mean that that's all we ever play. But uh, before we get into it, um, how long have you been gaming? Uh, what's your earliest well, memories? You know, it's, uh, it, it is a loaded question. How far back do we want to go? I, I remember playing as a young kid uh, my grandmother's house. She had a buffet cabinet full of the old standbys, aggravation, sorry, um, uh, score four, those, those simple board games that we all grew up with. Uh, and I remember playing those every time I would visit. She had neighbor kids that would come over and we'd play and had a great time. Uh, you know, you, you progress from those to the, to the next level. Um, and that's kind of where I stopped. I didn't really get into heavy games like Risk. I call it heavy at this point, but mm-hmm. back then it was heavy. Um, uh, those types of games until I came across uh, some geek in college, um, I got involved in racing career, uh, working on cars, and spent most of my mis- spent youth uh, around hot grease and uh, loaded fuel. Well, let me ask so, you about that. Um, so you didn't really do much gaming as a kid. I did, and I had a very similar experience to you, you know, those those basic games that you came across. But then I quickly got into the heavier games, as you said, Risk and, and Tank Battle and Carrier Strike and all these things. So I was playing basically from, you know, a very young age all the way through high school. Now, when you were not gaming, what did you – did you have an opinion of those people who were gaming, or was there even – anybody doing that? I know that you came from a small town much like me, and gamers were pretty few and far between. Did you even know of anybody in the gaming community at that point? Well, I, I guess I should back up. I, I said I got into racing. There was one game that came across in about 19, 
77 across my table, and that was, of course, the uh, original uh, Chainmail uh, Dungeons and Dragons box set. Mm-hmm. And we we did find a group. I uh, had a cousin, and we had a group of five called the Odds Bodkin Society that's being rekindled as we speak. <laughs> and uh, Odds we, are, we is, played throughout high school. Is uh, Odds Bodkin a character? Odds Bodkins is a, a let's call it um, an exclamation. You'll find it in Shakespeare. Of course, you'll find it in mm-hmm. BBC comedy from back in the day. It was, a, it was an exclamation of, of uh, surprise. Odds Bodkins. Um, <laughs> And uh, depending on your research, it could be uh, God's body. It could be God's dirt. It, would, it generally is off of something from God's. Mm-hmm. Um, and the entomology is kind of fuzzy, but it is in Shakespeare. Uh, so we found it in BBC comedy back in the day. And uh, it, it became our gaming group um, uh, title. So, yeah, we, uh, we played heavily RPG. I didn't get into the heavier board games, but I kind of leapfrogged into D&D, and we played that hard. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the winter of 78. I think we went 36 straight hours. Holy smokes. Um, it was, uh, I mean, you were snowed in. What, yeah. What, or, what other things were we going to do? Go out and shovel snow? That's crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. But we, we were heavily immersed. We had a great dungeon master. Uh, from the day, um, and uh, it, w- it was really a lot of fun, and we have a lot of fond memories of that, and and that brought us forward to the 40th anniversary of the Dungeon Master's Guide, and we uh, got back together this year uh, and opened up Temple of Doom and said, let's rock and roll again. So we're rekindled, and uh, uh, Odds Bodkins Society rides again. That's awesome. And you remarked about snow days. That was basically, I I prayed for snow days, not just because we had days off from school, but that was the day that we all got together because even though we couldn't make it to school, we would travel miles to come play a game through the snow. And, right. and that's what we did. Um, <clears throat> we, fortunate enough, we were fortunate enough to have like things like snowmobiles or ATVs so we could get to where we needed to go to play a game, but we sure as hell were not going to go to school. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Hang out with your buddies. That's right. That's what uh, paper and pencil was good for. So let's fast forward a little bit. So you're playing through your younger years and you're into racing and doing stuff like that. Um, why did you stop playing? Was it, you know, just because, I don't know, you got uh, gasoline and, and, and girl poisoning and you went more along that well, road? Or that? College, college kind of came and went, mm-hmm. and uh, I found a, uh, a little lady that kind of sparked my interest. Um, I, we kept the, the game alive probably through our um, first child being born, and then after that, uh, time gets tight. Uh, there's always other things going on. It gets harder and harder and harder for everybody to get together. Uh, the rest of the group are having kids as well, and um, now those kids are uh, in college years, and we're finding that our time is uh, available to ourselves again. So it all it all comes down to time management. Mm-hmm. Are you willing? And we were divided in geograph- uh, geography as well. So you know, it just it just fell by the wayside, like so many groups did. And uh, the board gaming side of me fell aside too. I didn't have anybody to play with. Um, I played the standards again with my own kids as I grew up. 
but we uh, we never really got into the into the heavy gaming uh, like I remember growing up. I had two girls and uh, they they liked playing with me. I can't say that they anticipated it as much as I did, but mm-hmm. um, they uh, they hung out with the old man every once in a while. Uh, fasting forward again, uh, like you mentioned earlier, we have an anniversary from WPCD radio station days. And uh, you and I met up again, and again, you rekindled my gaming experience. <laughs> so, uh, I'll give you a, a nod back in the Parkland days. You were the one that kind of got me into Risk. In fact, I remember playing it the first time at your apartment, and I went right out to the local, uh, I think it was Kay's Merchandise back then, and, and bought the game for myself. So you have spurred on uh, many games for many players, I'm sure, and I'm just one of a long list. Well, I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I think I forgot that. But, yeah, I do recall us getting together and doing some gaming and making up characters for D&D and, and such like that. Um, so... You're back into gaming, so you're back in it. But I also know that you're a longtime game convention goer. So tell us a little bit about right. that. I know that you've been going to Gen Con, which is like, you know, the mecca for gaming mecca. geeks. And um, But you didn't play games at Gen Con? Well, here's the thing. In Gen Con, it got to be something where I had to keep the string alive. I've been going since 1978. It was a challenge. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was It was after uh, their their visit to the Playboy Mansion. I missed that one for some reason or other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it was something that became the annual guys get out of the house together excuse that we could get out together. And uh, we'd have three or four days that we could hang out and do guy things and come back and go back to our normal life. Uh, I played games early on. I've always had one or two games that would uh, that I would sneak in and play, but I wasn't a heavy game to game to game to game to game guy. It mm-hmm. became more of a walking up down the vendor hall. And, and as you have been there many times, vendor hall is a solid day by itself. Right. Uh, if you want to hit everything and take a little bit of time, maybe two days. I would say two um, days is, is more close to the reality. So it became more of a, let's walk the vendor hall, let's uh, go have a beer, let's, let's uh, play a game in the, in the hotel room. Uh, but I would always have one or two of the ticketed games that I would play uh, to whet my appetite. Mainly those, that was Formula Day, was, it's a favorite game of mine still today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know how to play it pretty well, although you managed to soundly kick my ass <laughs> in Winter War earlier yes. this year. At the year, at the Winter War Gaming Convention, uh, Jimmy and I were both playing in the uh, Formula Day game. My daughter was in on it. One of your friends was in on it. And I think you were the first one to, like, you know, crash and burn, yeah. weren't you? I got lit up by, uh, <laughs> by another player who just really didn't care about <laughs> the, the etiquette of racing uh, but hey you know it is racing we had a lot of laughs a lot of fun and uh, i got a lot of uh, a lot of poking at me because i really went into it expecting that i should be in the top two or three and i was the first one out as you mentioned and i think my buddy actually wanted yeah he did for five or six years so mm-hmm. and my uh, daughter had a good time she enjoyed uh uh the fact that she could be with you at uh, uh poking fun at me <laughs> yeah, and that's that's what it gets back to in gaming is having fun. The the competitive side, I've kind of left behind me. Uh, some some gamers are heavily competitive, so other ones are 
just want ex new experiences. Other ones are in it for the laughs and the fun and let the chips fall where they may. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, that's part of, uh, I think you and I are of a similar mindset on that. I don't really care. I, I like to win, but it's not a big deal if I win or lose. It's whether I had fun playing the game and I played the game well. And if I'm beat by somebody who played it better than me, great. But uh, that's what, for me, is the big draw to gaming. And I love it. It's almost like a, uh, I, I need it. It's like a, a, a habit I must have. It's like an addiction. Uh, if I don't play a game once a week or so, I feel a little out of sorts. And I don't know exactly if that makes sense, but I just love that socialization that gaming brings to the table. Well, I'm, I'm finding that myself. I've gotten back into a D&D &D 5e uh, game here locally in Springfield uh, at the Die Hard Game Store. Um, just walked into it cold one night. Everybody welcomed me as I had hoped. You know, the same thing is still there. The people that play games are some of the nicest folks and most welcoming folks that you'll find. And uh, I came into a group I knew nobody, and we're playing every Wednesday, and it's about the most looked forward to or anticipated evening of the weekend or the week anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, there's three hours of gaming, throwing dice, slaying monsters, being the hero, and uh, trying new things to get through whatever traps the evil DM throws out at our way. And uh, we have a lot of laughs and uh, poke a lot of fun and, you know, bringing uh, quips in from whatever movie we can we can bring up in our minds you know we, we went through a arnold schwarzenegger type mode last weekend and it'll be a different mode this week so yeah <laughs> it's it's the fun part it's the socialization part it's getting out and meeting new people and uh, having laughs and there's nothing wrong with that so um 50, people in gen con hopefully believe the same thing yes and i've always had a great experience well i've had a few bad experiences gaming i know that i do more gaming at game conventions than you do or at least in the past i have um so there are a few times when you get into a group but you know it's 90 percent of the time everybody you sit down at a table with are they're there for the same reason to have a good time they're not there to like you know kick your butt and take names and all that type of stuff um, so that's kind of, that's part of the reason I enjoy gaming conventions, but I also enjoy the small get togethers that I have at my home or recently we've been actually gaming at one of the local eatery and pubs in my hometown. And that's also a lot of fun too, because you get people who come up to the table going, what are you doing? And they look at you or they ask, you know, and then you explain it and they, sometimes they get a glassy, uh, look in their eye or sometimes they get a real curious look in their eye. Um, the ones who get the glassy-eyed look. I was going to... What do you think it is about people who don't get it about gaming? What do you think it is? Is they just too involved in other things? I mean, not everybody can be a gamer. Let's face that. I mean, it's not for everybody. But every time I've introduced a new person who says, oh, I've never played a game before, they're like, wow, this is great. I wish I had been doing this a lot longer. Well, I can, I can I can attest to that. I was one of those playing Risk with you back in the day. But I I look at people that don't regularly game as being intimidated mm -hmm. by the rules. Um, walking into a group that no rules and you've got no clue on how to maneuver. Uh, if you don't have any kind of reference um, to draw from on how a game is played, 
how you, you know, you look at the new games today, they're very complex, mm -hmm. they're resource management, there's movement uh, requirements, there's board games. Uh, it can be, it can be intimidating. And that's, I introduced you to a, a game, dice game, Cosmic Wimp Out, very, yes. very simple rules uh, on a sheet of paper. And if uh, you get the right group of people together, you can play that for hours and just have a lot of laughs. Because the know, game requires uh, laughter at some point yes. because you're going to be forced into maneuvers you don't want to do. And we did play um, that game, and it was a lot of fun. And on the reverse side of the complication aspect, I was expecting more rules, and I think that was part of the reason why I had it a little bit of a difficult time interpreting them at first. I was expecting more <laughs> because I'm so well, used to reading a 20-page rule book. I remember you asked or texting me about one of the rules, and uh, you're overthinking it, Dean. Yes, uh, exactly. Just, just read it for what it is and play. <laughs> uh, right. The uh, and it know, was a lot of fun. and pestilence card game is very similar. It's very easy to play. Uh, you can get some strategy involved, but it's still very easy to play, and you can sit down and read the rules and and be playing a game in ten minutes. Yes. The, you know, the, getting back to the board games we've got now, uh, Monolith Conan games. Uh, very well done, extremely nice pieces. Uh, look at the rule book, look at the game boards, look at the different expansions, and it can become very intimidating to even a, a uh, experienced gamer. Right. And um, that was. But once you get into the play, you know, I sat down at the Winter War with you and you had me playing in 10 minutes. I wasn't playing well, but I was playing and learning the rules as you go. And I think that that is more of how people learn how to play the games. Um, you get one person knows the rules, and the other one sit around and learn as they play. Right, and I think that you played it again the second time, and you had a better understanding, and that's the really great thing, is that if you have the ability to play the game again immediately after playing it the first time, then it becomes a much more enjoyable experience. And again, I'll have to say that I apologize to your wallet, but I think it was uh, right after that you went out and bought that game again, didn't you? Yeah, I bought that game, and I bought the expansions, and I bought the second expansion, and I've got my eye on the third expansion, and thank you very much, Dean. I've got my gaming table full of figs right now with uh, uh, 100 different colors of paint uh, ready to paint, and yeah. uh, hours are awaiting me. And, uh, but this is all part of the, the experience, too, is uh, immersing yourself into, uh, like, miniature painting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, your, your fellow grognard, uh, Greg is a dice collector. <clears throat> There's a lot of different ways to uh, be part of the community and have your own identity. And, uh, you know, painting figs is one of them. Collecting dice is another. Collecting games is, is another way. You yes. may never play some of the games, but having that on your shelf to display is, is something that uh, some people do. I think that's very true. Um, there's all different levels of uh, geek culture, different aspects of it, and and. Thank you for mentioning that because I kind of ride that uh, that middle road. I'm a game collector, I'm a mini painter, and I'm a game player. So I kind of cover all different aspects of it. But I know a number of people, as you said, who just buy games because they don't have it in their collection. They have no intention of buying it <laughs> or it's a playing it. Mentality, and, yeah, they just they orders, just collect, you know, they just comic book people do the same thing. They will buy a comic. And may never read it, bag it and back it and put it up on display or 
put it away somewhere just to say that they have it. Yeah, and those people who think that they're going <clears> to <throat> sell it later in the future and have a nice retirement, they're wrong. Um <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you're very, very wrong. Uh, yeah. Don't do it for the money. So um, are you doing mostly RPG now? Uh, now that you're back in the gaming world, you're doing mostly RPG, or do you still try to dabble in some of the board games? I'm fully immersed in 5E uh, for the moment. I've bought uh, many of the books. I've found D&D Beyond is hugely... Oh, it's uh, so nice. Oh, what they're doing now makes the game so easy for the players. Mm-hmm. What they're anticipating or what they're what they're planning on doing in the multiple phases, if we're watching D&D Beyond on YouTube, uh, it's going to revolutionize D&D uh, for the DM and the, the players to make it more immersive and easier and more accurate. So no rules, flubbings. Um, everything is on your character sheet and it's live and um, it's a living document. And I play with D&D Beyond at our local game store and really look forward to the, the um, upgrades, expansions that they're going to add to it in the future. The downgrade is, you know, if you buy the books, you have to buy the digital content for D&D Beyond. Uh, so at this point, I'm only buying my content from D&D Beyond because I don't have to have the books. It's all on my iPad. Right. But there are, there are book collectors, uh, completionists that want both, and that's fine, too. Keeps, yeah, everybody, just, uh, keeps everybody floating in money. I just want to remind you, though, <clears throat> keep in mind that when the apocalypse comes, I'm going to have the books and you're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will I'll keep that in mind. I, I think I've got... Uh, some things that you'll want in that apocalypse that we'll yeah. be able to still get together on. Okay, there we go. We'll have a fair trade deal going. Yeah. All right. So we've been talking a little bit about uh, you and your experience with gaming. So we know that you're an established gamer geek, but I want to move on to something that uh, I like to do with a lot of guests that I interview, and it's these uh, things I call rapid fire. It's a set of questions that are kind of geared towards geekiness and nerd culture and stuff like that, but it kind of gives us a little, you know, a snapshot of what, uh, who Jimmy McGuire really is. And there's no right or wrong answers. And are you willing to play this? Uh, you know, I've listened to you do this with other guest speakers, and um, I'm, I was almost anxious about it when you mentioned that we might do this uh, because uh, I know what's coming on some of those questions, and uh, there's really no good answer. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rapid-fire answer back. First thing comes to mind. Okay, and you may or may not know the reference. I think that you're going to know most of the references, but some are fairly newer. And, you know, a a gentleman of your age can only take in so much new media and that type of stuff. So, you know. I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay, so let's just go ahead and start um, with the easy ones. Sci-fi or fantasy? And you say that's easy, but there's not. But I'm going to go with sci-fi. Okay, all right. That's fair enough. It's fair enough. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? This is the hardest one you ask anybody mm-hmm. because they're both so well done. But I've decided that Star Wars is the answer just because of the uh, because of how much in depth they go into the to the different worlds and the different peoples and the interrelations. Um, it's 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 much more well written for that aspect of Star Trek, but I do love original series Star Trek. All right. Okay. I'll have to disagree with you on just about everything you said, but that's because. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Since you, since you are a Star Wars uh, fan, we're going to say fan at that point. Uh, 
Are you more of a fan of Skywalker or Vader? Uh, I'm always a good guy, Skywalker. Okay. All right. Okay. Alien or Predator? Uh, I got to go with Alien. Just scares the bejeebers out of me still when I watch that original movie. Oh. <laughs> All right. Deep Space Nine or Babylon 5? Did you Deep watch? Space Nine. Deep Space Nine. Okay. Did you watch Babylon 5? I watched a little bit of it. I couldn't get into the uh, to the uh, storyline mm-hmm. uh, at the time, and uh, my buddy was a big Babylon Five guy, and I just did not want to pr- uh, give the time to become immersed in yet another sci-fi world. So I I skipped it. Well, you know, you can download it or stream it now, and you only have to go through five seasons. So. That's the other thing. They left everything hanging. Right, exactly. Okay, so uh, a full tour of Area 51 or irrefutable evidence of the Roswell Roswell incident? I'll go with Area 51. Okay. Uh, Would you rather go forward or backwards in time? I'm going forwards. You know, what we have to look forward to, uh, either the apocalypse, which it's hopefully not, but... um, uh, the jet, the George Jetson future is what I'm looking for. Push right. a button and give me my money. Me too. Me too. All right. Do you call them hobbits or halflings? It's got to be hobbits. I'm Tolkien, Tolkien, Tolkien. Right. Read them from age 12, probably on my fourth uh, run through uh, last year, mm-hmm. and just cannot get enough. All right. So in your RPG gaming in D and D, do you call them hobbits still in the game? Nope, it's halflings in D&D because that's a different world. Okay, all right. Got to keep your world separated. Legit, legit. I, I like that. I like that. Okay, um, Coke or Pepsi? Pepsi. Pepsi? Good man, good man. Uh, rock or country? Country. Really? Oh, classic country if I've got my choice. Okay. I, fi- I did not know that. I thought you were going to go rock. Well, I, I, I'm a man of many tastes, but if you got a choice, it's going to be Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, and okay. Waylon. All right. All right. I'll give you that. That I can live with. Modern country, I just can't live with. So No. <laughs> okay, James Bond, are you a Connery or Craig fan? And I only put those two in because they both start with the letter C. Well, and it's Connery. I mean, you can't get past the king of cool. <laughs> All right. Now, here's one that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, Belter, Earther, or Martian? Are you familiar with the uh, Expanse series? Uh, I'm not familiar, so I'll have to uh, either take a stab or pass. Okay, you can take a pass. Um, it's called the Expanse, and it's on sci. Well, it was on Sci-Fi. Now it's being picked up by is it Netflix or Amazon for their third season. It's an amazing Sci-Fi show. You should watch it. Take a look at it. Yeah. Uh, beer or wine? Beer. Okay. Die Hard movie, Christmas movie or not? Christmas, come on. <laughs> okay, black licorice, yes or no? No. No. Okay. No. No. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, vampires or werewolves? Uh, give me the vampires. Um, they just have so much more going for them, intelligence and and strategery mm-hmm. uh, is a favorite word of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, werewolves, you know, if you're driving a car past a werewolf, they can't help themselves but to chase the tires. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, 
I'm going to go down. Are you a Game of Thrones fan? Oh, yes. All right. Are you a recent Game of Thrones? Yeah, no kidding. Are you Stark? I'm on my fifth run through, so. No kidding. Wow. Uh, Stark or Lannister? Uh, Stark. Good Stark? guys. Okay. I know. That's that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Uh, pirates or ninjas? Pirates. Pirates. Okay. Let's see here. Um, Are you a Mac or a PC guy? Mac. Mac. All right. I'm all Apple. Everything I have is Apple. I'm by default an Apple guy only because I'm so ensconced in it that I don't want to change. <laughs> yeah, you can't, can't change. It's like, you know, D&D first edition, you didn't really want to change a second. You sure didn't want to change a third. Yeah. Uh, but I am changing to 5e. Okay. All right. Uh, speaking of D&D, bard or monk? Uh Monk, I, I've never liked the bard. I've always thought it was a, a campaign killer, and who wants to go around singing songs? Mm-hmm. But I did hear of a new bard uh, that they were talking about. It was a comedian, you know, kind of a uh, an insult kind of comedian guy. Who was the old Who was the old insulter from the back in the day? Mm-hmm. Uh, Don Rickles. Uh, Don Rickles. Yeah. Don Rickles bard. I could I could get behind that. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, hmm. Let me see here. Theater version or director's cut? I'm usually the theater version, um, just because I like uh, I like originality. Um, but with the stuff that they're doing nowadays, uh, you get to add so much more for director's cut. So yeah, I'll I'll go with director's cut for my final answer without asking the friend. Okay. <laughs> um, Let's see. We'll take a couple more here. Red or gold dragons? Red. Has to be red. Same here. Same here. Uh, I understand the power of the gold, but, man, they just seem kind of boring. Yes. <laughs> There's a fearsome factor in the red just to gazing upon it. Yeah, yeah. Um, are you more of a cake or a pie guy? Give me that cherry pie. All right. And dogs or cats? Dogs. All right. Dogs. I knew that. We are so similar in every way, except maybe that whole Star Wars thing. <laughs> well, it's a it's a close fifty one forty nine. Okay. All right. I I can I can I can deal with that. I can deal with that. Well, Jimmy, I want to thank you very much for uh, logging on and uh, skyping in here with me for this interview. I do appreciate it, and hopefully, we get together and do some gaming, uh, you know, mano a mano or in a group or something like that in the near future. Because uh, I'd like to re-experience all that uh, fun stuff we used to do in the past. Because you know, that's what grognards like to do. They like to think about the days gone by and all those good days and those fun times. Well, I have to get you over to my new or my new gaming tables. What That's we need right. to do so I can show it off. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you asking me. Um, hopefully, this is something that interests your listeners. And there's more like us. I know that there are. Uh, and with the new games that are coming out, with uh, with every variety and spice, simple, complex, moderate, board, miniature, tokens, whatever. There's something out there for every gamer. Uh, the new the new stuff that comes out on Kickstarter that's only out available for six months is tough, mm-hmm. uh, but but there's something to follow in his tracks in the next six months. And uh, if this is the golden age of gaming, uh, we're living it right now. Yeah, and if you're a, uh, a self-proclaimed grognard and you only want to play old school, you are doing yourself a disservice. I'll agree, yep. Yeah, so, well, thank you very much, Jimmy, and I hope to see you across the game table in the very near future.
Bleh. I'll swing some dice. Have a good one, Dave. All right. Take care. I want to thank Jimmy McGuire for allowing me to take an opportunity attack with him to find out a little bit more about his history in gaming and conventions and just being an overall great grognard. Thanks again to Jimmy McGuire for joining us on the Grognards with this opportunity attack. 